Hey, this is Zev Bannett. You're listening to the Sewed Blocks podcast channel, and this is a podcast channel for transformational and foundational Torah. It means Torah that completely transforms your life, changes everything, changes the way that you think, feel, perceive reality, perceive relationships and connections with the people in your life and with Hashem, and it's the ultimate uh, wisdom and the ultimate way of thinking about how to really genuinely constantly grow and deepen. So the content here, a lot of different kinds of things. You can also check out the YouTube channel, Yisod Blocks, and really start to see all the different types of things that we're going that we have going on here. Hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening. Hey, so welcome back to the Nefeshachayim series on the Yisod Blocks podcast channel. And in this piece, we're going to be doing Perak in chapter 4. So we just finished, uh, in the previous section, we were talking a lot about sort of this big behind-the-scenes question, which is, what is the whole point of this whole system that Hashem designed with all of its, you know, linkages and connections, network cables linking all of us together? And so right now the Nefesh is sort of explaining the fact, and you know, sort of like the phenomenon that uh, man has this interesting role in the system of the universe, which is that we actually have a two-way street of influence. In other words, when Hashem sort of... Uh, propagates and manifests all of reality. If you think of Hashem as sort of like the uh, root power source behind all things, he's the self behind all selves, the self behind the entire universe. And then you have this multiplicity of cables that are running out from him and literally powering every single diverse uh, facet and, and element and piece really of the whole universe. So, you know, it's kind of like he's the center of everything and then everything kind of pours out from him. And then that includes us, but then there's this other weird phenomenon where we are this counterforce in a certain sense. We are also, uh, we are Tzalem Elohim, so we're sort of structured in the same way, and you can think of us as almost like mini, if, like if Hashem is like the hub that is the root of everything, then we are like these mini hubs that are embedded inside of the network, and each of us is, is also like a power source, and we also have cables that emanate from us out into the universe around us, and also up towards Hashem, again, up here is not literal, Directional analogy, directional language is always an analogy in the writings of Chazal, and that means that we're not talking about a literal up, we're talking about um, conceptual up, which means sort of like beyond the limitations of regular uh, physical universe, and sort of going into the thought space, and sort of going into the connection space, which we're going to have to explain what exactly that means as we go on a little further. But the point is that we have this second way, you know, uh, this this other, this this alternate directional uh, interaction with the system where not only do we also influence the rest of the universe, but we also actually influence Hashem kind of going, we have our power cables run up towards Hashem also. And so in a certain sense, it's almost like we are both receiving from Hashem. Hashem is powering us because we're also part of the system, but we ourselves are also like a power source for Hashem in some kind of interesting way. And we have some kind of, uh, you know, independent role that we play with Hashem as a certain kind of partner, almost like we're sort of like a, a, a miniature version of what it is that he's up to, whatever that is. So we have to figure out what exactly it is that Hashem is trying to do and understand more about who we are and how that works. So let's sort of delve into Perak Dalit. At some point, we're going to have to have an interlude discussion probably about exactly what it is that this place is all about. But first, let's just keep reading and see if we can get a little more detail in terms of what exactly it is that we are doing here and how this works. 
So let's just dive right in, and that's again uh, Parak Dalid, chapter four in Shar Aleph, section one of the book. So uh, if you have your copy handy, you can follow along and make sure you're understanding the different words and the source material here, so you can really see it for yourself. Um, so he writes, "Vizos Torasa Adam," and this is really the sort of like the the system or the or the the story um, of the of of Adam of man. Kol Ish Israel, all of the people of Israel. Okay, so here he's going to start, you're going to see, he's going to start differentiating between uh, people who are part of B'nai Israel, and then really people who are not really part of B'nai Israel. Now we're going to have to assess exactly what that is and why, because if you recall, so this started off talking about Adam Arishon, the first man, the first conscious man at least, and then now we're sort of switching over and talking about Ish Israel, people who are part of the family of Israel. And so the question, of course, is, well, why exactly is there a distinction here between everybody else and B'nai Israel. So the short background for that for now, and we're going to have to develop this further, is that the, the the way that this works is you're only really operating as a mini hub of Hashem's sort of system, the way that Hashem is himself, if you are plugged into Hashem in a certain kind of way. In other words, if you are somebody who is in the universe, but you are not interested, you're not um, aware of and not really looking to experience the universe as an aspect of this whole system, as, a, as sort of like a power source. So then Hashem sort of uses you as, not, I shouldn't say the word uses, but you, you essentially play the role of a person who's part of the universe, but you're not operating as that kind of hub. So you're someone who's here, you're powered by Hashem, and you have a certain amount of consciousness and, and, and influence, but it is largely going to be a function of how awake you are, how connected you are to Hashem. And so what the, the assumption here is, is that, you know, on the on the macro scale, so the descendants of Israel, um, our, our whole family and our family legacy was really supposed to be about doing that, about being awake, about being conscious, about operating as a, a hub of, you know, mini power, mini consciousness inside of the universe. So if you think of Hashem's, you know, central um, you know, central uh, hub, the ultimate hub, the self behind all of this, you know, the yud kei that's behind the, tzel, the the Elohim of the universe. So then that's sort of like the the, the original and the, and the central power source. And then according to how much you're actually connected to and awake to Hashem's, you know, energizing and, and manifesting of the universe, then you essentially also operate in the same way. And so the idea here is that B'nai Israel, the descendants of Israel, are, are supposed to be about that. And you'll see that that theme kind of plays out on and on and on. And anybody who wants can always join that family because the family that we are is really about doing that kind of thing. In other words, we are, like when, we, when sometimes people talk about, um, you know, B'nai Israel as uh, being the chosen people, well, it's a little misleading because you can't just be chosen in a vacuum. Sometimes people sort of talk about that in an elitist sense, like, oh, well, the Jews are the chosen people. And you, you know, this funny word, the word Jews, which does not really, it's kind of a, a very in, inaccurate description of who we are exactly. But uh, the descendants of Israel, the descendants of Israel, this person who lived, you know, a couple, a few thousand years ago. So um, that whole, and, and the whole family that we're a part of. So we, you can't just be chosen in a vacuum. You're not just, you're not just chosen, you know, randomly. Uh, you're chosen for a particular purpose. And when you're doing that purpose, so then you are going to experience yourself as part of that story. And if you're not, so then you're just not going to experience yourself as part of that. Now, you know, that the, doesn't mean that you're not part of the family anymore, but it does mean that you're not really going to be super aware of what it is that you're doing here and what the point of this is. And so if you have a person who's not part of the family, 
So all you have to do is say, okay, I'm committing myself to being chosen and to make my purpose the purpose of this family. And so when you, when a person makes that commitment and says, I want to be a part of this family's mission, so then that person is now part of the family because that's what defines us as who we are, is that we are actually on a particular mission and journey. And of course, we have to de- delve into more what that is. And that's going to be super connected, in, you know, intrinsically linked to what the point of the whole universe is because there's the purpose of the universe and there's the purpose of us inside of that purpose. So that needs to be defined. But the point is that for now, the macro model that, that, that Rav Chaim Lezhner is going to be working with is, well, let's just talk in broad strokes. So the descendants of Israel, this is what they're here to do. If you're not part of that mission, then you're not doing that. You're not here to do that, really. And, of course, we find today you have plenty of people who are not part of Israel who are committed to this. And they are, you know, largely to a great degree um, contributing to this process. And then you have plenty of people who are part of the family of Israel who are asleep and have no idea that this is what, you know, this is all about and sort of view the whole Torah system as, well, it's just a dogmatic set of rules you have to just follow, and then you go to heaven or some other idea like that, which is really uh, largely a Christian assimilation of ideas into what it is that we have been teaching and describing for thousands of years. So that's just sort of a background. There's a lot of other details there, obviously, but for now, just understand the context here of what he's saying. So, call Israel, every person from Israel, al Yomar Belibo Chasr Shalom should not say to himself in his heart, God forbid, because what am I and what, 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 you know, what power do I have to make any difference with my lowly uh, actions, any kind of impact, like what could I really do to, to impact things? You should understand, said, you should understand and, and, and know, and you should really like, you know, in, uh, insert this into your thoughts and, and sort of like start to see the truth about this, which really is the purpose of what we're doing with this learning is to try to actually learn these things in a way that's very real and sort of start to see just how this is true and, like, what does this really mean? That every detail of your actions and your words and your thoughts, every instant, they're not lost, they're not meaningless. And in fact, there's, like, a lot of power to them. And look how, how, how much they impact, how high they go. Because every action that you take, every thought, every word that you use, so each of them is part of this uh, intricate web, um, and it kind of vibrates the different the different uh, wirings according to its particular place inside the web. To sort of like impact in the in the entire overarching system, like in terms of the, the upper layers um, and, and areas of the which really you could think of that as like the the cables and wires that are much closer to the uh, to the primary energy source, which is Hashem, so that you know you, you have you have the ability to sort of vibrate and impact the system all the way up to there. And that's where it starts to get you know really interesting to sort of see what it is that you're able to do with that, which you know that's going to need to be explained further. But the point he's making right now is don't think that what you do means nothing because everything that happens is part of this uh, part of this framework and you know it's all it's like this very it's a super intricate dance with so many different variables and everything that you do you know the the things you say and things you think and they're all part of this and thing and and, and that's you know on a macro level it just sounds like oh my thoughts and my words you know you might have heard this in a sort of a more vague way like oh every word you say counts or something like that but what he's saying here is like there's actually a system of intricate interaction between every aspect of reality and you are a vibrating uh, you know, source inside of that system. Um, okay, so, And, you know, it makes sense to, you know, to, to sort of suggest 
This is uh, what they meant, what our sages of Chazal meant in Maseches Avos when they wrote, Know what is above you. Rotelamar, what do they mean? If you cannot see with your eyes all the incredible things that are uh, taking place because of your actions, you should still know. Like, means like have experiential knowledge, be aware um, of what exactly it is that you're doing. So, why doesn't it say see what it is that you're doing, what, what's happening above you? What's happening above you? It says instead know what is happening above you because you can't see it. Um, you should still know that way. Because everything that's done uh, above you in all these upper layers of reality, it all comes from you. Know what is above from you. Based on the actions and which way they go. According to what what you do, they sort of you know come and go. It's a reference to a line in the Torah, but basically means according to your dictates, that's what happens. Um, you know, above you uh, in, a, in that analogical sense. A person who is chacham uh, and understands this fully, so inside himself he'll feel like this very deep sense of responsibility and, and like some trepidation of like what level of power he has. Sort of put into his, to be aware in his heart of like the damage that he causes with some of his actions. How much damage you can cause with even uh, you know small deviations in, inside the system. Which if you think about that, so you know any time you have a person who has tremendous power, if you're like a trader in you know in the stock market for a very large firm that's running billions of dollars, so you know small errors can lead to uh, millions and tens of millions of dollars in losses. And that's because, and in that situation, so you'll feel a certain sense of stress and trepidation because you're aware that your decisions actually matter in, in, a, in a way that is very measurable. And so here also, what we're saying is that there is a whole system here that, unfortunately, we have lost our awareness of it, and we sort of think about these things in a very vague way. But when you start to learn about the framework and structure of consciousness and how we interact with each other and how consciousness sort of functions and what it is, you really start to get a sense of how what you do sort of uh, interfaces with that. Now, that shouldn't cause... You know, sometimes you'll get um, uh, spiritual phobias where they start to get very obsessive about how they how they do things where they don't want to cause damage and, and do the wrong thing. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about where you have a very deep understanding of the whole system, and then you're aware of what exactly it means when you behave in certain ways. As opposed to when you're not, you don't really understand the system. You know, like I, I used to have students like this who would learn this these words and they would say, "Oh, I have to be crazy obsessed now with being super careful all the time." to never do anything which the Torah says you're not allowed to do. And the thing about that is that they never learned anything deeper about what exactly this stuff means. They just learned they have to be very careful, and they were already kind of uh, looking for a reason to try to be extra careful about not violating anything which the Torah says. And while it's important to not violate what the Torah says, but if you don't understand anything about the Torah, you don't really know much about what's going on, then your violations are relatively uh, not damaging because it's, you're just doing things gig, which means inadvertently and you don't really know how this stuff works so it's very hard to really do any real damage that way um, so you have a situation where you know people kind of are looking for a reason to already be extra uh, uh, intense about following the Torah in a very rigid way and they just take this as a reason and justification to do that and that's not what we're talking about here we're talking about genuinely understanding just like the trader in the stock market genuinely understands the actions and the consequences of the actions and that's really when you are you know sort of in this situation where you understand um, and, and he adds and the types of damage that we can cause 
we understand the system this way, is much more damaging than what Nebuchadnezzar and Titus, uh, Titus did. These are two rulers. Um, one, the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar, the other one is Titus, the, uh, the Roman uh, general and king, who both uh, destroyed the base of Mikdash and violated it uh, horribly. Um, but they, what they did, according to what he's writing here, was much less of a problem than what it is that we are able to do. And he's going to go on and explain. Because Nebuchadnezzar and, and Titus, they didn't do anything with their actions that actually damaged anything beyond the actual uh, physical universe. It didn't actually intersect so much with the, uh, the larger framework and network of reality. They don't really have... Uh, they didn't have that kind of uh, uh, system interaction because they didn't, they didn't have they didn't operate as, as network hubs in that way. They weren't uh, consciousness fragments that were sort of you know they weren't they weren't miniature Hashem consciousness selves in the world. Um, such that they could then actually impact those places you know the above areas with what they were doing. Just because we. We, you know, as that as that group of people um, that was that's supposed to be here to essentially um, manifest Hashem's power through us into the world in a certain way, which we have to talk. You know, that's that part of what the point of our mission is exactly. But we're going to have to explain that a little further. Um, but because we were chote and we sort of we were really messing up the whole system with things that we were doing, so that now sort of shoved Hashem's power source out of the world in certain kinds of ways or reduced it. It's almost like because of how, like, because we have our, our, our wiring that goes up towards Hashem, and then we were kind of vibrating those wires in ways that were disturbing the rest of the system, and it sort of blocked out some of Hashem's transmissions of how he wanted to, you know, power and, and run the world. And so we actually blocked how Hashem takes care of things here. And so, means through our chait, so we reduced and, and exhausted the power of, 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 of Mala, of Hashem, meaning of, the, of that actual source, and then es mikdash Hashem timu And so when we did that, so we kind of like made it like we damaged the power source of the base of Mikdash that we have down here. So we damaged all the things that were powering it from the overarching system above. In other words, like if Hashem is sort of, you know, manifesting and powering the whole base of Mikdash down here with him with his being. So and we interfered with that. So we actually destroyed the base of Mikdash uh, up above. We kind of cut it off from its source. Because we cut it off from its power source above, so then Titus and Nebuchadnezzar were able to destroy the building down here. Because that building is sort of like the physical manifestation opposite the actual source of it, which is, you know, the Mikdash Shalmala means Hashem's conception of what the base of Mikdash actually is all about. Um, in terms of its, you know, root uh, in the in the system above, Kmosha Amru Chazal, like like the Medrash says in Eicha, Kimcha Tchina Tchinas, they ground a previously grounded um, flower. That's the analogy. It's there. Is that it's another line that, that describes how the base of Mikdash that was destroyed here on the ground. The Gemara says that it was uh, it was burned down, but the Gemara has a line something like. Uh, a burned building was burned. In other words, the building was already destroyed before, and then they destroyed it. And the, like, the concept there is that, um, what we're saying is that Hashem actually, the, like we, it, through what we did, we actually undermined and sort of ruined the building on our own by cutting it off from Hashem's power source and then uh, undermining its purpose. And then that's what allowed it to be destroyed by the people down here, even though people down here have no real um, you know, power to impact the larger system. And so the point here to remember is that we're talking about 
um, not literally up above. We're saying there's a power system that Hashem literally has all these layers and, and wires underneath everything in the universe. And so whenever we damage that system, it actually reduces and impedes Hashem's manifestation and powering of the universe starts, starts to distort the way the universe operates. So our, our errors um, it destroyed the like the Hashem housing of the base of Mikdash uh, in the system. Which is the layers of reality that are all that were focused and dedicated towards powering the base of Mikdash. And they, uh, Titus and Nebuchadnezzar, only destroyed the building that was down here. So that's essentially describing that distinction between us and them in terms of the, the situations there. Okay, so reading on. This is exactly what David meant when he uh, wrote this in Tehillim. Um, so he's talking about, uh, you know, well, he explains. The David is talking about those who are attacking, so it should be like, uh, it should be known um, as if they brought an axe to the to the brush of the trees uh, up above, and he's he's requesting as if they, as if the attack was actually impacting the upper areas. Even though really uh, the enemies cannot actually hit that area at all when they attack, they cannot impact the upper areas. Only we can sort of weaken the upper areas, and then when we weaken the upper areas, like in other words, the interconnections of Hashem um, between Hashem and and the universe. And then that's what allows for distorted types of people and distorted types of perspectives, really, to sort of dominate people. And then those distorted perspectives start to spread and, and, and eventually lead to destruction in the physical universe. So this is really why, uh, you know, false ideas are so dangerous, because um, false ideas essentially represent false perspectives, seeing the world in a way that is distorted. And that usually means that somehow underneath um, there is some kind of breakdown or damage where Hashem's presence is now uh, and Hashem's power sourcing is sort of getting uh, damaged and, and pushed out in certain ways causing uh, fluctuations inside the system and uh, you know just like in a body when you have um, you know unhealthy structures and damage inside the way the power system of the body works it causes distortions to eventually play out as diseases so um, you can have exactly the same thing uh, in the in the physical universe where um, the idea generation as a function of, of flawed, and false perspectives um, that are kind of like expressions of the underlying uh, uh, problems that are being created between Hashem and the universe based on choices that conscious selves are making here. Okay, so let's read on a little more. I know there's still a lot of unanswered questions, but we're going to try to follow what the Nefesh tells us as opposed to me just sort of telling you a lot of things along the way. Another, like a sort of another aspect of this, how it's something which is going to make you feel a little trepidation. That you that you um, contain within your 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 toolkit. In other words, you if you think of yourself as the entity that you are, as as um, you know, you're the self looking out through the eyes, and you have your your perceptions and your thoughts and your and your emotions and your actions and your body and your personality and all these different aspects of the of the total being that we call you. So you include inside of your structure. All of the different forces and the same types of layers as the whole universe. He's going to explain that much further in Parak Vav, Uvishar Bez, Parak Hay, also in section two, uh, chapter five. So just like you have this structure inside of the actual universe, the way the universe, one of the aspects in the actual universe is that 
there's something called the base of Mikdash. And um, the base of Mikdash is sort of like, you can think of it as like the heart of the universe, um, like we said already. And we're going to explain a little more what that means too as we go. We get to, you know, chapter 6 and, and uh, section 2, chapter 5. Um, well, so, so just like you have this, in the physical universe, there was this building called the base of Mikdash. And inside the building, there was an area called, called the Kodesh HaKadashim that was like kind of like the most intimate um, and, and internal part of that building. So that building represents a deeper truth about the universe, which is that there is sort of like a, um, a conceptual base of Mikdash that is, you know, quote-unquote above. And then that base of Mikdash uh, also has a Kodesh HaKadashim that is like the heart of the universe in a certain way that sort of is like, you know, you could think of that heart as like uh, the gateway or the initial gateway between Hashem's power source and the entire universe's power structure. So that's what the, the Kodesh HaKadashim concept is supposed to be that. And again, there's a lot of details here, so please don't get lost in them. All these things will get explained and sort of laid out a little more clearly as we go, but just to sort of roll what he's saying, because he's trying to just, you know, sort of construct this for the person of the analogy. But the, 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 you know, people, Adam also has a lave. And to Isa de Gufa, it's the center of the body, the heart. That's sort of like the, it's like the unifying uh, organ, because the heart literally uh, communicates with the entire body through the blood. Right? That's what the heart is doing, and it's uh, it's it's the center and the and the the common denominator in a certain way. It's the blood organ that kind of controls the the unification of the whole organism. So that contains all within it. Negative base kodeshakadashim. That's kind of like um, that's opposite the the kodeshakadashim of the base amikdash concept. So your body is designed as an analogy for the structure of the universe that is also built with the same kind of system. There's like a uh, you know, a more central elements of the universe, and there's more, there's more, and, and of all of creation, and there's also like more ancillary and, and external um, elements of the universe. So here, the heart of the, of the body is an analogy for the base Kodesh Hakadoshim, Emtza Hayishov, sort of like the center of, of all of the you know settled uh, uh, life or, or the universe. Even kind of like the foundation stone. Kolel Kol and it contains within it all the different roots of all the other different um, you know. Uh, We'll call them now. We'll, we'll just use the wires analogy. All the different wires that are powering reality. So the heart is kind of like that. It essentially is this unifying theme that also has uh, uh, wiring that literally goes out to the entire body and connects all of it, which is exactly what the veins and arteries are. Um, that, that are the they're essentially connecting the whole body using blood as the as the unifier. Urmazu chazal shachar. So one of the hints to this is in the Gemara in Brachos, which talks about that when you are in the state of Tefillah, you should try to direct your lave uh, opposite the base Kodesh HaKadoshim. And that, what that means is when you want to align yourself with Hashem, which is what Tefillah is, you want to create an internal alignment between you and Hashem and bring yourselves into uh, harmony with each other. So then you have to sort of line yourself up with all the different aspects of your constructs, like your body and your every different part of it, and your mind and your personality, all the different tools that you have, often you line up with Hashem according to their space and their and their and their way. So the lave is opposite the Kodesh, Kodesh HaKadashim, and that's why the Gemara says that. So that's what he's saying is that this is you know this this structure is an is an analogy um, for you know for the whole the whole thing here. In other words, the, this is another element of what Selim Elokim means. Again, it's not like it's a different element because we already understood that. You know the tools that you use are analogous to the tools that Hashem uses, but he's just sort of saying there's a there's a piece by piece, uh, uh, you know, a relationship and 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 connection between different parts of the actual tools that you have and the overarching structure of the whole universe. So that's really what this paragraph is sort of stating.
So now to sort of further back up that point, he's going to bring a Zohar from Parsha Shlach. Uh, so we're just going to read the Hebrew in the brackets if you have that. Um, skip sort of past the Aramaic writing. Bore, come and see. Kasher Barah Karshbarhu Adam Baolam when Hashem created Adam in the world. He sort of organized them according to this uh, as an example, um, or following, sorry, following the pattern of the sort of the upper structures of, of the universe. He put like the source of his strength and power in the middle of his body. And that's where the heart, you know, kind of rules over um, or operates. And in the same exact way, Hashem also set up the, the world uh, or existence. And sort of made it like this, the whole, like the universe is sort of one uh, giant body. And there's a heart sort of in the middle. Shu kulam. That's the power of that that runs everything. Um, and everything's sort of you know based on it. makif And the and the outer building, which is the heichal of the base of mikdash, that meaning the building that's outside of the kodesh kadashim, surrounds the kodesh kadashim, or you know sort of seals it off. Because in the kodesh kadashim, that's where um, the presence of Hashem is, and that's where the kaporas, the covering for the. Um, for the Aron and the Kruvim, which are the the statue, the angel statues, uh, the Malach statues that are on top of the Aron um, and the Aron itself. And that is the heart of all of the land and of the universe. And that's where everything gets its energy from. In other words, these things represent um, the energy sourcing. Um, now again, when, when the Zohar says from here, they, you know, everything gets its energy. So recall, we already seen other writings and sources here that illustrate that there is the physical base of Mikdash, which um, is an analogy for the upper system that is behind all being. And that what we're saying now is that we have a physical building which represents the structure of the universe. But you know, the heart that powers the physical universe around us is not that um, that physical thing that that is built inside of the Kodesh Kedashim. That, that thing inside the Kodesh HaKadashim, the Aron and the Kruvim on top, are representations, and they are consciousness triggers. When you see them and think about them, this will direct you to the actual lave that is underneath all being, that is Hashem's you know, power source. Um, so you have to reconcile what we just read now with what we've read up until now, which is don't get confused and start thinking, oh, you know what? The building is the source of all reality. This is just an important uh, you know, general methodological point, which is you have to always read integratively. And it's, it's, much, it's much harder to do with Torah writings because we tend to have been taught to sort of learn in a very fragmented way. Like you read a thing over here, read a thing over there. But integrated reading is super important with Torah. That's actually um, the Tosfos commentary on the Gemara, is whole, is whole, his whole approach is literally built around taking things from all over the place and properly weaving them together. And here also, when we say here that the base of Mikdash is sort of like the, you know, the Kodesh HaKadoshim is the heart of the universe, don't think that means the actual room in the in the base of Mikdash, because that's just a building. And that building is simply a, an external manifestation of the underlying truth of the universe. And that power source um, is, is, you know, existentially uh, behind the scenes underneath the physical universe and is not manifest inside of the physical universe, which, you know, kind of helps people to start to realize, oh, wait, so we're not saying this building is like the power source of the universe. So, yeah, so just to clarify that. Okay. Imkain, if, if this is true, so then at a time when a person sort of lets uh, wanderings happen inside of his heart, like sort of like a foreign thought, like neof means like an, like adultery, so kind of like having a, like when in adultery you have like a foreign person inside of the sexual relationship. So here we're saying if you have a foreign thought inside of the exclusive laved space, you know, the heart uh, inside of a person, 
whenever you have that, it's like you're, like you're bringing a prostitute, which is like the symbol of, of jealousy. In other words, you're bringing like, anytime you start thinking foreign thoughts or, you know, thoughts that essentially are, are undermining uh, who you are and, and your relationship with Hashem. So what that does is it sort of like represents the idea of now you kind of, again, the same thing as before, you're sort of cutting yourself off from Hashem or you're sort of uh, impacting the wiring between you and Hashem in such a way that it blocks out Hashem's presence from your consciousness. That's what cutting yourself off from Hashem sort of means. So that's really, and that's, you know, that's significant. And, it's, and the way he's presenting it is that it's actually more significant than doing actions that are fundamentally violating of Hashem in a certain kind of way. Maybe I shouldn't say more significant, but different, because here you're actually letting a perspective and a false idea inside of your, inside of your core, you know, sort of like the root of all of your ideas and your perceptions is what we call the lave. So when you let something foreign into there, that can really poison the entire system. That's what he's talking about here. This, you know, when you have this parallel structure between you and Hashem in terms of the lave and the, you know, the other p- parts of the of your construct. So there, that means there's a qualitative difference um, in terms of, you know, whether you, you're if you're if you're messing with the system in in the area of the lave, as opposed to if you're messing with the system in the area of the emotions or the area of your actions. In other words, if you if you feel things emotionally that are sort of out of sync with Hashem's being, so then it will it will also cause vibrations along the system, but that'll be less central than if you actually have an internal perception of reality that fundamentally violates uh, the truth about who Hashem is and who you are relative to Hashem, which is why, it's really why, you know, I think it's really why I'm teaching these things and why I think a lot of us are trying to learn these things because, um, you know, your our perceptions today of what the Torah is are so fundamentally distorted uh, away from, you know, what it really is about. And that's a, a very, very poisonous uh, type of atmosphere because you're looking at a situation where there's a lot of just, you know, very shallow and, and superficial ideas here about, you know, God and the guy in the sky and things like that. Um, and so it's really coming to sort of start to show where the ideas sort of start and finish and which parts of them are true, which parts of them are not. And so that's really what we're trying to do here. So, yes, yeah, so when you do that, you bring in that zona, that, that, uh, you know, foreign thought, and what you're doing is you're sort of um, strengthening the powers in the system that are, that are more the, you're, you're, sort of, you're sort of reducing Hashem's presence in your own being, and you're sort of attaching yourself to what's called which means you're basically trying to associate yourself, identify yourself more with the physical world, which is finite and ever-changing and unstable and, you know, uh, very constantly, constantly, essentially, uh, you know, creating and dying. So when you sort of distance yourself from Hashem and you start to view yourself as if you're sort of just a part of the physical universe, that's called plugging into kohos hatoma because toma is the association with death. And the sitra achara means that's the other side. In other words, it literally means like you're now attaching yourself to the other side of the universe. In other words, the side that is about the physical universe as opposed to being powered from within by Hashem. Um, and and you're bringing that in kadashim You're bringing that into the you know the internal space of your own kadosh kadashim. That causes a lot more damage um, in terms of the koach hatuma that you know bringing the finite into the non-finite. That's much worse than what Titus did when he took an actual physical prostitute and brought her into the actual physical base of mikdash, and then he was he you know he he. Uh, was physically intimate with her inside of the base of Mikdash, 
as like an insult, you know, to the to the to the base of Mikdash. But that's actually much less problematic than when we do that inside of our own selves because we are, you know, we are the we are the actual base of Mikdash in a certain way. In other words, we are sort of the the uh, the, in, the the internal or the you know the the insides of the base of Mikdash, as opposed to the actual building, which is just a building. And doing things in the action level in the building, you know, is a certain problem. But the only reason, the only time it's a problem, is when the underlying internal uh, side of things is going on properly, and we had already destroyed that uh, with all the issues that we were creating. So that's why what Titus did was actually much less problematic than what it is that we do when we uh, you know undermine things in that way. Okay. And also any other hate that a person sort of brings into his slave, uh, it's like a foreign fire, which is a reference to Nadav and Avihu in Parshas Shmini. Whether it's because you're getting angry or any other kind of like very intense physical or emotional uh, imbalance and desires that sort of get out of place. It's exactly what it means when it says in the text in, in uh, Yeshaya and Isaiah. You're now burning down the, the house that is what our whole glory is all about. Protect us from that. In other words, whenever you bring or cause a problem, like we just said a second ago, whenever, you, whenever you're chote in ways besides just actions or besides just thoughts or whatever, so also you know, other kinds of imbalances are also going to then damage the internal framework and connection between us and Hashem. And that leads to all kinds of problems. You know, the place of my seat, which I'm going to sort of put down uh, among Bnei Israel, forever. Israel, then there will never, there will no longer be tumma. There will no longer be the option of sort of like uh, thinking that you are physical and finite, and you won't be able to make that mistake. Uh, through their through their going off the rails or sort of you know getting pulled into things that are uh, pulling them away from Hashem, that that type of thing will be pu- pushed away forever. I will then dwell among them forever. So in other words, that's uh, how it's supposed to be. That when we're when we're in sync with Hashem, we're sort of experiencing Hashem's presence within us, and then you know we, we like we basically um, we use our power of impacting the system to sort of. Uh, bring ourselves into harmony with Hashem, and then bring the universe around us also more further into harmony with Hashem. So that's what uh, that, that's what sort of supposed to be. Haga ki amishkan beamikdash, because the mishkan and the mikdash, how you call them, call They also are similar. They also contain within them references to all the different forces and layers of reality, just like uh, just like we do. Because the mishkan and the mikdash, these things are they're like people. In other words, they're, they're they mimic. Um, you know, the structure of man. These things are just rep- supposed to represent uh, what we are. So he's going to go on to explain that in a second, but just to sort of set down the, the groundwork for that, you know, like um, the base of Mikdash is supposed to be a building which represents who we are. So think of yourself as a building. Well, the base of Mikdash has also, it has the heart, it has the head, it has the mind, it has all these different things in the base of Mikdash that represent that. It has the eating, digestion, you know, different aspects and areas of the base of Mikdash represent different body parts. Um, and different parts of the universe as well, and then, but the soul of the base of Mikdash, you know, you can call it the center, um, the root of it is the is Hashem's presence that is sort of manifest within it, and so you can think about it as it's like um, it's Hashem's house. So, and Hashem, if Hashem is not home, you just have an empty building, and it's like that's also true with your body. Your body is actually your house. So we build houses out of wood and stone around our bodies because our bodies are they they are not well adapted to the elements, so we have to sort of, you know, protect them with these houses of wood and stone, but actually, the body itself is actually the house 
of you, of the self. And whenever you're not home in the body, then you're dead. That's, that means that now the body, not you, but the body is dead then. The body is empty. Uh, it's, just, it's just a husk. So that's what the body is. And the Beis HaMikdash and the Mishkan are, is exactly the same thing as that. It's, it's, a, it's a container. It's a, it's a house for Hashem's self. And so the way that it is structured is directly uh, parallel to you. And whenever things go wrong in the Beis HaMikdash, so that really represents something is going wrong, in the people who are small base amikdashes, each of us is a, is is a small one of those, and I mean the size doesn't really matter. It's more the the concept of what it is, and so um, that's what he's going to go on to say now. They really have all the same elements of the universe that we do. All the different layers of of kedusha means all the different power sources and uh, or the wires rather that sort of run to each thing. Um, all the different things that they have in there, the, the different rooms and, and tools and the upstairs and downstairs and rooms, all the different, all the different kalim, um, utensils. They were all sort of representing these concepts of, of the universe and of our bodies. Our, and again, our bodies, you'll, as we go further, you'll start to see how our bodies are literally like a, a, an analogy and representation of the universe. Um, Structured in the image and structure of the, of, the, of all the layers of reality, the Sidre Pirkei Merkava, and also like the you know the different uh, sections of the Merkava. The Merkava literally means the chariot, and that's a reference here to um, the vision of Yechezkel, which is that Yechezkel sort of saw this chariot, uh, and to sort of explain what that vision was. But it's really about um, the things that you experience when you enter into a state of mind that we call Nevua. So, and and whenever when you, whenever you enter into a state of mind called Nevua, you actually become a Merkava, a chariot, because what that means is now you are actually carrying, you're like a ride for Hashem, and so you're now sort of carrying Hashem's presence through you, and so the Merkava is like a very uh, fundamental principle because, like I said already before, your body is a chariot for yourself, and yourself is not a physical thing, it's the neshama, it's the consciousness that is intangible, and when you bring your consciousness and your chariot, your body, into harmony with Hashem, then you become this chariot, not only for your own self, but for Hashem's larger consciousness through you. And so the base of Mikdash is, is part of that same concept. That's the way they, they organized these things and built them that way. And that's what Chazal said in Maseches Vachim. What does it say by David and Shmuel? By Hu Shmuel, by Yeshu Barama. That they uh, they 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 were hiding from Shaul, from Shaul at the time, and um, David was hiding with Shmuel. And what were they doing? They went they went to, they were sitting in Nayot and, and on the Ramah, like on the on the high place in the mountains. What does that have to do with anything? Like, like the like the Gemara asks, what's the connection between the, the, the Noyos, which is this this beautiful area, and the Ramah, which is this mountainous area? They were sitting in the Ramah, in the high place where Shmuel lived. They were talking about the beauty, you know, the, the noy of the world, which is, that means the beauty of the world, referencing here Pirish Rashi. They were trying to understand the concept of the base of Mikdash, and they were learning about it and trying to delve into it. And that's what we're saying, that, that, that that's a reference to that, that um, that's the, you know, the beautiful thing in the world is the base of Mikdash. Also, another man is shakul neged bria saolam. The base of mikdash is sort of like this thing that's that's equal to and 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 opposite the whole creation of the universe. Umona sham kesidran klal hayinyanim shayub bria because it, and it kind of counts out in its organizing structure all the different things that are included in the creation. 
which are also found in the Mishkan. That's why the Torah says by Betzalel in the create in the building of the Mishkan, I'm going to fill him with Ruach Elokim, which we're not going to explain what that is right now, but it's going to be Chachma and Tavuna and Das, all these different tools that are used to create. These three uh, uh, ingredients, Nivru HaOlamos, all of the layers of reality were created through that. Um, like it says in Mishlei, Hashem b'chachma yasad eretz konein shemayim etavuna b'dayto tomos nivko. So you see, those three ingredients are all used to describe how Hashem essentially built the the, the universe and the world. Vayin zohar, you can look at the zohar also in pekudei. With zohar chadash and truma, ayin shem baruch, where they go on to explain these things at length, how the base of mikdash and the mishkan are sort of encompassing and encapsulating the same elements as the whole creation. Achin amruzal, that's why they said in brachos that our sages wrote, yodea haya betal etzarif osios. Betal knew how to take the primordial fundamental ingredients of the universe, he could he could basically uh, manipulate them. That were used to create heaven and earth, so he used those same ingredients to create the Mishkan and to design it and build it, because the reason why Chazal say that is because the same structure, the same ideas, the same way of thinking, the same uh, uh, elements were included in the Mishkan as analogies and parallels to the actual creation of the whole universe. So that's the same thing now, the base of Mikdash and the body and the human construct, and Hashem, all these things are sort of, you know, they're all analogies in parallel to each other. Uh, so you have a person who's from Amakodesh, in other words, the family of Yisrael, that is really all about this. That means, Amakodesh means they are the dedicated nation. That, that group, that family, can, also contains all the structures of creation and of the Merkava, Klal habriya kula, the totality of all of the whole universe. Hu gamkein dugmas v'tabnitz hamishkan v'amikdash v'kol kelav. It's also the same framework as the mishkan and the mikdash. Mechuvan b'seder hadit kashrus pirke evara v'gida v'kol kochosav. That's you know the the structure and interrelationship between the different parts of the body, the nerves and the body parts, and all the and all the you know power of the body. V'chein mechalik. So they're all they're all the same structure. V'chein mechalik bazor klal tabnitz hamishkan v'kelav. That's why the, the Zohar says that the, all, the whole structure of the Mishkan is is, uh, is hinting or you know similar to um, that one that same one as, as in uh, in man. Each one according to you know its place and there you know there's really a, a direct linkage and, and parallelism there. So this framework is super important and it's going to continue to be developed. But it's really about understanding that this this is not a you know, uh, this, this is not a side point. This is a, a very important understanding of what it is that you are. But we're going to let, let's keep building. Uh, so definitely the main point of all these things, the Kodesh and the Mikdash and Hashem's presence in the world, the point of all that is, is Adam, is man. That if a person, um, so if, if a person essentially properly is Mekadesh himself, in other words, cl- clarifies and dedicates himself to Hashem, in a clear and specific and nuanced way, as opposed to just kind of like vaguely without any understanding, it's sort of delve into all of these, what the Torah is, and sort of sift through your being and figure out who and what you are and how you work. And how. And one of the ways to do that, there's different parts of that process, but Bekiyama Mitzvos Kulan, through the actual living of the Mitzvos lifestyle, doesn't mean that you're getting Mitzvah points. You know, if you're, if you're doing Mitzvos and you're trying to get points, that's not what we're talking about here. You're trying to use Mitzvos as tools 
to bring yourself into alignment with Hashem, and you got to understand what the mitzvot are in general, and what they each mean individually, and how they correlate different parts of the body, and how they bring different parts of your, you know, your yourself into alignment with Hashem. There's a whole framework to this. It's not just like a random, you know, bunch of commandments you got to do because God said so. That's not what we're talking about here at all. Um, and each of these mitzvot, each one of them is, is linked to its place in the in their in, it, in the roots of the system above. And, and you know, the, the the phrase shiur koma here uh, means kind of like if you think about it, there's almost like a way to look at the whole system of cables and wires above us. Is that you know the way he already has been saying that if you have a heart, you know, in in the above system, and you have you know all these analogous parts that are analogous to the base of Mekdash, which is also analogous to the construct of man. So then you can think of it as there's this almost like a, a uh, existential or cosmic man structure that is sort of like the blueprint for the whole universe's existence. And then you are sort of like, you know, you're an analogy for that cosmic structure. So your physical body and, you know, your mind and your, and your, your emotions and all those things are sort of analogous to to that larger cosmic structure. And so that's what the phrase shiur koma means. It means like the the measurement of the of the height, you know, of the of the of the structure that is standing. And so we're gonna see that phrase come up a lot more. Um, but basically what it means is that, you know, you are like like if you think of it as like, you know, let's look at your at your at your pinky finger. So your pinky finger has an analogous ingredient in the base of Mekdash and an analogous uh, area inside of the cosmic structure of the universe. And when you use your pinky to do some kind of pinky-related action that is in harmony with Hashem's being through a mitzvah, so then now you are um, bringing that, you know, that the cable that links um, that part of Hashem's cosmic structure and your pinky into greater alignment. And that means that now you are sort of like, you know, you're sort of clarifying and dedicating your one aspect of your whole toolkit more towards its place in the system. And that's also true with much more significant parts of the body, like the heart or the brain or whatever. And each of those has its place here in lots of different tools. You know, the most powerful mitzvah tool that we use in conjunction with the brain is learning Torah. We get to understand what learning is and what Torah is to understand that. But that's, you know, just as, as an example there. So that's shirokoma, kivechol shokla, kolom, kulam. And then, you know, the, the all the layers of reality. So you have this structure. Um, and Zohar Truma, so you have the Zohar and Truma, which talks about this. Um, okay, we'll skip that for now. So, so, you, so man, you know, Adam, he himself is the Mikdash. So inside of man is Hashem's presence. These people are Heichal Hashem. They are literally the house of Hashem. It says in, in, the, in the Medrash, the Torah says, I'm, when you build a Mishkan, and you build it properly, I will I will live uh, in you or in you know in them. It doesn't say in it in the Mishkan. in them because what's happening is when you bring yourself into alignment with Hashem, when you build a Mishkan and use it as a tool of mitzvot to bring yourself into alignment with Hashem, then Hashem actually lives inside of you and you become a Merkava for Hashem's being, which means that this whole structure is really all about Adam. Okay, so Vezesh Amru Chazal. That's what Chazal said. Our sages in Maseches Ksuvos. Uh, where they wrote Gdolim Tzadikim, the hand, the actions of the hands of Tzadikim are, uh, or the actions of Tzadikim are greater. Yosir even greater than the actions of creation of the universe. The Maseh because in the creation of the universe, see if it says, 
So my hand set up the, the land, and my right hand uh, set up the, the heavens. But when it talks about the, the actions of tzaddikim, so it says um, that your that your hands um, they built mikdash Hashem, and there it's referring to um, to people, to us, how we built the base of mikdash for Hashem, and so. There, Yadecha, it says plural, so if you look at Rashi in the Gemara, there explains that that's the greaterness of it, because there's more hands to build the Mikdash Hashem. But here, what the Nefesh wants to say is, Pasu of Masai Tzadikim, um, here it, it brings up the, the the issue of the actions of Tzadikim. Tzadikim, a tzaddik means a person, a person who is uh, in alignment, per, like in a very intense alignment with Hashem, where what he does is, we call, you know, it's usually called somebody who's righteous from the word right, because to be tzodik means to be correct, but you know what it really means here is like when you are very accurate. A tzaddik is someone who is super accurate in the way that they are. And accurate means you know if, if you're accurate, it's kind of like being truth based. It's like you're sort of living in a way that is very accurate, and that's going to depend on well you know in order to know if you're accurate, you got to know what the target is. You know you got to be in, in alignment with the target to be accurate. So that's what a tzaddik is: someone who knows what the point of everything is and then lives accurately with that. So, so he says here we start to bring up the the actions of a tzaddik, and they you know they conclude the 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 proof that the actions of a tzaddik are greater than the actions of creation of the universe. Through their actions that are the you know the ones that Hashem wants, in other words, the ones that are accurate in alignment with Hashem, that actually is the mikdash Hashem. In other words, he's learning the line mikdash Hashem konu yadecha as that when the tzaddikim did these actions, they were operating as mikdash Hashem. They actually literally are that because these things are all interchangeable. The the Adam and the base of mikdash and the cosmic structure of Shiur Koma, these are all sort of the same pattern and structure and all intersect with each other. So you can sort of say uh, 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 along these same lines what it says in the Torah, and then it goes on to say, According to everything that I show you, this is what should be done for all time. In other words, what he's saying now is that the idea of the Mishkan, this is what you should always do. That's how the, it says, this is how you build the Mishkan, this is what you should do. And the drasha of Chazal in Sanhedrin was, this is what you should do in the future also, because the structure of the building of the Mishkan is what we do for all time, because it's a structure that is more than just the building. Uh, so according to our path, also we can explain. Don't think that it means that what Hashem is trying to tell us is this is how you build the actual building of the base of Mikdash. My whole intent in the building, the structure of the Mishkan, and all its utensils, just to sort of hint to you, so from it you can see, and then you also do, you'll make yourselves the same as that. That your actions will be patterned in the, in the way that I'm describing after the Mishkan and the Kalim, the way that I want. Um, each of you sort of like uh, focused and dedicated and, and, and ready to have my presence sort of like manifest within you at all times because that's really who you are. You're the carriers of Hashem's presence in the world. And of course, you have to explain what that looks like, what that means, but that's what we are. That's what it means when the text says, build for me a mikdash, then I'll dwell within you. 
um, or in, in them, meaning the people then. Because um, according to how much I show you, the structure of the Mishkan, my goal, that you should make yourself that way. So it's the same thing. It's also what Hashem said to Shlomo when he built the base of Mekdash, after he finished building the base of Mekdash. This building is only going to operate if you are going in my chukos, in my path, uh, in what it is that I'm, that I'm saying to do. That's when I will then live uh, in you and in all of my um, Yisrael. Lazos, and based on that, when they then they when we ruined um, the inside, the you know the the internal meaning of the base of Mikdash in terms of our connection with Hashem, that's when the outside building no longer helped anything. and its and its foundations were destroyed. unfortunately. Tell B'nai Israel about the bias, and they will then be ashamed of all their mistakes. And if they if they um if they're ashamed of all the things that they did, and you show them the structure of the house um, and all of its different forms, so tell them and write for them. They should then, you know, sort of do that. They should know the structure and then do it. Like we just explained what that means, that if you do the structure and then it basically heals all the problems and brings you back into Hashem's uh, structure and alignment. So, when, you know, they can kind of undo and, and bring themselves down from what they how they violated it. So that's also conveying the same idea. He's going to explain also a, a detail in this pasuk that Hashem created, Hashem Elohim created, formed the Adam uh, dust from the earth, and then breathed into his nostrils the neshama, the breath of Chaim, of animatedness. And then uh, the man was was a living creature. So what does that mean? The simple meaning of that is like how, how it's translated in the translation, which is unkelos into Aramaic, and that there was now in the Adam a, a, a ability to speak. What he means is, when the body was empty of the self, and there was not, it was not conscious yet, it was actual dust. Um, it was just a lump. It was not movable, not animate. Kasher nupach bonish maschayim, when the breath of life was breathed in, as nasa ish chaylis noea uledaber, and then it was converted to being a living creature that was able to move and also to speak. And so that's really, you know, that's why Unkelos explains on the simple level that Ruch Mala seems to mean that now the creature that is man is able to speak and now transition from being a, a simple, you know, piece of, of biological technology now actually is conscious because speech is really what uh, enables. And ref- first of all, it reflects consciousness when you are able to speak, but then also it enhances and constantly expand, expands consciousness. Because when you speak and you put ideas out there and concretize them, then you sort of can reflect on them outside of yourself and then add them back into your own mind in a way that expands your consciousness. We're going to talk about that more when we get to section two in Nefshachayim when we talk about uh, speaking and tefillah. But that's basically, so far he's just explained what this sentence means in its simple meaning. But now he's going to sort of explain a little further how to read that pasuk in light of what we just have been saying in this whole chapter. 
You look in the text, it does not say because Uncle sort of writes it as like there is now inside of the man um, this this like, you know, spirit of, uh, of ability to speak. But it doesn't say that in the text. It does not say ba'adam, in the man. Elevahi ha'adam, the ma- like that the man was, this. Um, and the phrase is vahi ha'adam, chaya, the man is a nefesh chaya. Lazos yesh makom lefarsho We can explain that pasuk according to what we've been saying this whole chapter. Sheha'adam benishmas ha'chayim shebetsocho, that the adam, with the breath of life that was now within him, the consciousness that Hashem breathed into him, hu nasa nefesh chaya. He now became a nefesh chaya, like a living uh, being now meaning he's a nefesh chaya not just for himself he's a nefesh chaya for all of reality not that not that he is a body that has a nefesh chaya inside of himself instead he himself is a nefesh chaya for everything else and so he is like this you know this hub for now the rest of the things that are around him for all, all the layers of existence. Just like all the details of his movements of his body, are all powered by the life force inside of the body. The total being, the Adam himself, which consists of the body and the neshama that's inside of it now, that whole thing, that total, so just like the nefesh, the animated life force inside of him, powers the body, the total thing, which is called the Adam, the neshama and the body together, they are a powering force for all these layers of the universe, uh, laying sheer without any, you know, like beyond uh, any number. They're all going to be, you know, orchestrating and influenced by his behavior. So that pretty much captures this chapter. I know it's a little bit long, but... Um, there's a lot here, really, and we're going to use all this to build up next uh, to get further in this in this whole section. So, hope you enjoy that, and looking forward to see, hearing you know seeing you or whatever uh, in chapter five. And thank you so much for listening, and uh, and also check out the YouTube channel and all the things that are out there. See you next time.